1: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast In this week's episode I have my buddy Drea on and we did a bunch of hunting, we were planning on kind of doing it in person but we were just too busy while we were here and kind of exhausted and doing, we were too busy hunting and doing other things so just didn't work out and your trip back just didn't work out so we at least got you back here and haven't chatted with you since then so that was beginning of november it's now mid-december lots been happening you've been in third fourth rifle guiding and writing your book and plenty of other things going on so welcome back to the podcast
2: thanks for having me clint it's been uh, a busy few months it's good to finally be able to sit down and chat
1: yeah so you came out here archery hunting south dakota was that beginning in november right or you didn't hit any of october it was all november
2: yeah it was it was between first it was between first and third rifle so yeah november time
1: yeah and yeah. so we kind of had figured out we were pre rut yet activity just a little early on that but there was no really there was some rifle seasons going on just the 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 one that was it wasn't too terrible bad. We didn't have a lot of pressure there, but there's, uh, no West River season. So when you were out in the prairie, not a lot of pressure, that's a great time to bow hunt out in the prairie. Cause otherwise it's a, it can be a little bit of an orange army. And so you spent a couple of days by yourself out in the, out in the prairie. What was your first, uh, thoughts, ideas around prairie South Dakota hunting? Yeah, it was super
2: cool to get out there and be able to lay eyes on what I had been anticipating it would be like, you know, really open. I like was like, wow, this country's really open. This is going to be really difficult to put stocks on. And then that first night I had a couple hours of light. So I just went out to a high point and realized that there are thousands of drainages in here. There are so many places for these deer to hide. And I quickly realized that as you know just glassing and walking through there that there's hundreds and hundreds of deer and there. are not really any big bucks in that area um but super cool landscape totally different than what i'm used to here in colorado obviously um those big bucks are
1: there somewhere i don't know Yeah. i don't know maybe that area but pre-rut stuff they just kind of disappear you know and yeah and late after the rut they kind of disappear here and there but they're there somewhere and give me a few more years and I'll find those, those spots and find a place to really dive into that prairie hunting some more.
2: Yeah. I was really hoping, you know, I had plans to come back, uh, but then my dog went into heat. And so obviously that didn't work out. Um, but if I were to come back, I was going to go back to that spot. Cause I just had a feeling there was going to be some big, big bucks in there. Cause there was, there was probably 200 does in that area.
1: Oh wow! And, yeah,
2: you know, I I did end up doing a few stocks on some some smaller bucks. I was just you know I was like, well, this is what I've got. I may as well try, and uh, obviously didn't release the arrow, but I was able to pull back twice, which was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that I didn't end up filling my archery tag either, uh, yeah. both of them, my doe tag either. Mm-hmm. So, and not that I didn't have opportunities. There was there was a few opportunities. Yeah, And yeah. I'm going to do that on a, I don't know, the podcast before this or after this. I don't know. I'm going to do the November one. Actually after this, cause this is early November. I did all my hunting after that. But, um, so you, you spent a little time in the prairie. What, uh, kind of, what was your strategy? It's wide open country. Um, you got to a high point. What was kind of your, your tactics for, for getting in close?
2: Yeah, so basically that, I was camping fairly close by, so I would just get up in the morning and get to these high points just right before light and get out to where I can glass down and into the ravines below me and then all the other fingers that I was able to see and just start finding deer. Once I found a deer, a buck that I wanted to go after, then I would, you know, look at the situation and try and move in close. So there was a nice three by three that had, he was, he was starting to push deer around. And so he was a good, probably mile off. And so I just was like, I need to get closer. I just want to get closer. And maybe once I get closer, I'll decide if I want to go after him or not, maybe I'll bump into some more deer. And so made the trek through a couple different canyons there and glassed him up once again. And, Decided I wanted to go after him. I watched him and his does bed down and I waited a good hour or so. Made sure they were holding tight in their spot. And when I was there, there was actually quite a bit of weather. It was great. It had snowed that night and it was probably a good 15 degrees when I woke up that morning. And so put them to bed, watched them for a while and then just worked down into this canyon and then I was the wind was good I was down below them looped up around came up on top of the ridge of where they were bedding and you don't factor in half the time like I I see videos of people putting stocks on these muleys all the time and it looks so easy because it's just this one buck bedded you know along a cliff edge or behind a tree but when you've got 30 other deer it's you know it's a lot of ears a lot of noses out there at that time versus you know, those high country socks that these guys do, you know, it's usually just the one buck they're going for. So can't really factor in. I mean, you can factor it in, but you get in there and it's, it's tough. A lot of eyes, a lot of noses and ears. And I felt super dialed. I felt super quiet. The wind was good. I was calm. I was ready, but they sensed me, they saw me and and they bolted. That was a good, probably a good two mile stock in to, getting right on top of them, but regardless of, you know, regardless of busting them out, it felt really good to know that my plan worked, you know, I executed the plan. I got right, you know, I did a two mile stop. I got right up on top of them, but it was just that matter of so many eyes and they saw me before I was able to take a shot. All
1: right. So after you spent a little time out there in the prairie, kind of made your way up to my house, uh, check out the, the hill stuff, which is totally mm-hmm. different. And I'll tell you what, getting to actually hang out with you in person. I had a great time. I'm really glad that you were able to come up and, and hang out with the family and, and tie and, and actually get to know you a little bit more in person than just over the phone. So that was, that was fun. So I'm glad. That was
2: and, Yeah, That and, was very enjoyable. I mean, yours, and my relationship leading up to that hunt had been through the phone, essentially through the podcast. Yeah. And, um, walking into the house, it felt like I was, you know, seeing old friends that I hadn't seen for a little while. It was,
1: yeah, it was great. Absolutely. So it
2: was cool to run around the woods with you, meet the family and spend some time just hanging out at the house too, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. So, um, if you got a cool place to hunt, Dre is a great house guest. <laughs> <laughs> Invite her there. So, um, <laughs> But I will
2: entertain
1: your kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're so good with Ty. You're really good with him. Uh, so we, uh, we tried to get out there and, and I pretended to know what I was doing with our Hills whitetail. And I've learned a lot since we went hunting, learned a lot Yeah. and ended up calling in probably about 15 different deer bucks. Um, and you and I called in any, did we call in any?
2: We didn't call in any, but you know, it was early too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of that one day was just on your birthday that evening. And it was so windy and, you know, I think it was just a little bit early still. Like my dad always used to say, it's just a little early yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so. and what I found out later on is I had always, previous years, when calling and rattling, I'd have stuff running in. Well, yeah. I've been finding out recently that they, they come moseying in minutes later, like 10 mm-hmm. minutes later. So yeah. we had all those calling setups, and we probably rushed it a little bit. Is what I learned. So in the future, mm-hmm. less calling setups. Yeah, sit set longer, longer. Yeah, set up a little longer with better vantage points, and just wait for them to creep in because that's mm-hmm. that's what I think three quarters of them did, if not more, is just coming in. And it was still within ten minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah, they were there, but it was it was not a 20 second start rattling and they're here. Yeah. Like I've had in the past, it definitely happens, mm-hmm. but I think that rut has to be happening quite a bit more. So we went out yeah. to, to check, check a couple of spots. That one first spot we sat in that draw that I thought for sure, that old timer friend of mine said, this is going to be, it is a great spot. The deer come up. I think I went there another time. I still have not seen a deer in there. So
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know deals. I, I, I'm not giving up on that area yet, but I want to, I'll, I'll do a little better scouting with it with some trail cameras and see what, what's all there. Cause I, I think it's a good funnel point, uh, where they would be coming up, but still nothing out of that same spot. So well, it's kind of
2: like the spot that we went to on your birthday, your buddy pointed you into that direction and was like, this spot's great. And it was great. First two hours of the hunt were action packed and, seeing all those deer but once again i think we were just a little bit early
1: yeah yeah absolutely so what was your take on the the hills whitetail which is something totally different i mean you're hunting hills that kind of look like colorado springs kind of hills piney little Mm -hmm. more higher moisture than the western slope of colorado where it's high desert or high alpine kind of stuff it's just a little different the mountains are easy to climb hills are easy to climb what was your take uh, on <laughs> Yeah, it, it, no oak brush to get stuck in. Uh uh-huh. the biggest deals is if you
2: walk in, yeah, oh, yeah, you can go for miles. You can do I mean some of those days I did almost 10 miles and I was just like, how? You yeah. know, like it was very easy hiking. It's just so cool. I was, you know, put a couple fillers out there on Instagram on on tips and tactics and everyone's like, "You can't kill." white tail from the ground you know that's why people hunt them in tree stands, and and I even told you that and as and you're like well not necessarily and I had a lot of really close calls in the hills you know it was really cool to creep up to an edge and you're right you've got to go so slow and literally you're glassing take a few steps scan the horizon take a few steps scan the horizon and the tactic works it's just I think once again it was just a little early you know I would call in some of those spots and wait for something to come in and that morning that you and i hunted and you had to leave because you had to go to the vet um literally 10 minutes after separating from you i was sitting there and i was like should i wait should i just chill here or should i you know slowly creep through this section of, of timber where we had seen all those deer what was it a day or two before and um made my way kind of through the opening right to the edge of the timber and stepped out from behind a tree and there was a really great buck right on the skyline at like I don't know he was like sixty yards away looking at me and I had that ultimate predator decoy on my bow and so I just slowly pulled the bow up in front of me and he started feeding again. I was like awesome. He's still yeah. a little bit far away. I can't get a shot and so I just kind of sat there and waited and he actually presented himself broadside but of course there was a series of branches right in front of his vitals and he was feeding and I was sitting there the wind was great and I was like haha this is my moment I'm gonna prove to everyone that you can kill a deer from the ground but then he just he turned and he walked away and can't really chase after him in that situation can't really so I I sat back there and I did a little bit of calling but he never came back around
1: yeah um, recently I did a big old mountain delivery to Milwaukee. So I did this big drive all the way to Milwaukee, dipped down to Chicago, which is not a place I ever want to go again. And then cruise back through Iowa. And I was thinking about Iowa whitetail mm-hmm. hunting. And yep. it was like, this whole state just looks cram packed with whitetail country. And mm-hmm. it, obviously it is, but I was thinking, it's like, man, these, our hunt was, was not this whitetail. It was not this style of whitetail. Mountain whitetail are just so different. They, mm-hmm. it's like hunting mule deer, but they're whitetails. Yeah. They're, it's totally different, and uh, we kind of talked about that when we were out a little bit. That these tactics are a little different, and you get talk to mm-hmm. people from the east that are whitetail hunters. It's a, shooting one on the ground is a is a difficult feat, but it's different. It is mm-hmm. just different. Um, yeah, and it's so it's still very doable. I was. I'm still working on getting uh, Ultimate Predator decoy folks on because I really, really want to ask them about tactics for that because you and I talked about that as well. Like, what mm-hmm. do we want them to know we're here, or would it would it be right. best if it were more an ambush style, or should I mm-hmm. be stalking in? So I'm I'm working yeah. on getting them still because I'd love to kind of figure that out a little bit more because I now I got three of those decoys: antelope, elk, and deer. So I want to know. Mm-hmm. And it'd be great to do that before I go to Arizona, just to figure out too with coos deer, is that a, is that a thing? You know, I was also
2: curious, like on the prairie, and I think I asked you this because I have an antelope ultimate predator decoy, and I was wondering if on the prairie, because in the area I was hunting, there was a ton of antelope in there. Right, they were they were in the same space as those mealies. That if that would work, I would I would think it would. You know, I think if you were in the right place, right time. Not necessarily um, you know, sneaking in on them, but if they're in that same general area. So, yeah, I would be curious what they would have to say about that or if anyone has been successful killing a prairie muley with the antelope decoy. I'll,
1: I will ask that just about cross species using different species. Because yeah. I've done mm-hmm. use the whitetail on the mule deer and it doesn't seem to be it, they obviously know it's a deer but it doesn't didn't seem to be something that I could get within bow range it was yeah. it did give me that maybe a couple of seconds to just to to draw back mm-hmm. which i think is the whole point but it's not bringing anything in so mm-hmm. I'll, uh yeah, I'm going to keep working on them because I really, really want to talk to them. (laughs) I really do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, uh, and then after my whole fiasco, or before the fiasco with my dog eating a pine cone and a $1,800 vet bill, later cutting Mm -hmm. a stupid pine cone out of a puppy, which I still have not taken her out bird hunting, drives me nuts. Today was supposed to be her first day, and, of course, kid gets a, a fever yesterday during... Mm. at school so he can't go Mm to school the next day and so here i am at home uh of course the booster shot gave my wife a one day kind of sickness so she's she didn't sleep well so here i am now at home still ty's fine (laughs) he slept he's (laughs) he's acting like a normal kid so he's going back to school tomorrow but yeah Super bummed. I haven't got her in the field. Sunday is the day. Sunday is the day. She's she's actually going on a pheasant preserve, so she's going to get on lots and lots of birds, and I'm um, excited to see how that that goes for her first time in the field. So anyway, she's
2: impressive.
1: Oh yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. so. there's going to be a lot of yeah. other dogs there that that are run. So I don't know how how well that'll kind of intermingle. But I can't remember the exact day. We said, oh, it was on my birthday, wasn't it? When we decided we were going out to the prairie. Out to yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And went out to a spot that I just have had eyes on and I wanted to wanted to try it out. I'm going back there and we talked about that. That's just gonna be a cool, cool place to go play with. And mm-hmm. we got these egg fields with the mule deer coming off, dropping down to the river bottom breaks and hanging out in there. And we saw no shortage of deer. There's plenty of deer, but again it's that mm-hmm. open country kind of getting through to, to get within range and initially we we kind of had to let things wake up because we are like i don't i've never seen this country before yeah. i don't know where they're gonna go and we just kind of let let the world wake up and you saw a mule, nice little buck and you're like oh, i'm gonna go chase him cool mm-hmm. i'm gonna go over here <laughs> and yeah. and pretty soon we were off and and did you lose your buck that you hadn't yeah seen? i
2: never i never found them again yeah. Never found them
1: again. Yep. And they so disappeared. I, I went down and bumped a, a little whitetail buck, but found these two really, really nice bucks. One was a, probably a five or a four point. Um, really nice. Just you can tell you had a big old body on him. Another one had a, a uh, j- it was just a giant fork, giant, just old, old buck. I could see his body size was just huge. And I, Watched that I I saw him coming down a ridge sort of coming to the same ridge I was and I ran up to get a little closer and kind of just took took my time worked my way in and got within uh, when I finally saw him about 100 yards and I was watching one and if anybody knows what the heck it was doing it was the the big one big fork was puffed up and these these bucks were raking every tree that they could find so they were obviously kind of squaring up a little bit, raking every tree, every sagebrush they could walk by, and then they would. The one made this clicking noise that sounded kind of like a a wheeze almost. It was kind of similar to a not as loud as an antelope wheeze that that they they blow at you, but it was mm-hmm. a noise not at me of warning. It was a noise at the other one of some sort, some kind of rutting activity. I don't know what it was. It was. It was unique, but it was, I was watched it through my binoculars. I could see this vibration noise coming from him and it, it was weird. It was weird. So then, yeah, I, I kind of got pretty close. I, I picked out a tree and said, okay, if I come up over that, they're going to be kind of right there, probably within 60 yards. Problem is they were just kind of circling, kind of moving. They didn't have a single direction. They were going, just going back and forth, kind of circling, figuring out which tree they want, maybe they're raking each other's trees. I don't know. They were, they were just good pre-rut activity and popped up and they ended up being a little further back than I wanted. And that wind must've shifted and they just kind of, they never did see me, but they just kind of popped up and trotted off and never saw them again. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then we uh, joined back up and chased a few more deer. That's just a yeah, really, really cool yeah. little, little spot.
2: Cool country. I'm excited to be able to go back there next year and now have a better understanding of how to hunt it.
1: So rank for me the uh your favorite you've got your kind of the mm-hmm. our last our my birthday spot, which was kind of that river bottom with those big breaks you've got the hills mm-hmm. and then you've got your really open breaky country that you're in what was your what was your favorite to least favorite mm. I
2: think your birthday that morning. You know, the spot we were just talking about, I think that was definitely number one. Super cool to be able to see them come off the fields and then sort of make a plan. The mm-hmm. Country was just super cool, too. Like, just enough vegetation. Um, and then there's some challenges in there. Some of that stuff's pretty thick. So I think that area is definitely number one. And then the hills, there's just something. You'll
1: name that window and find the different spots for different windows of time. So we'll we'll get that nailed down over years. So, um, yeah. want to move on? You had you've had uh, second or third and fourth rifle. Tell me about yeah. what happened there.
2: Yeah, so um, went back to Bear Creek Outfitters where I've guided for for three years, and went back to guide. I was really missing it, and couldn't bring myself to find a normal job. You know, I just wanted to keep being out there chasing animals. So, showed up and third rifle. I had a few clients and found a really great bull day of season he was way down he's this typical area where we always find at least one big bowl and they're just really steep scrub oak fingers and the north face has a big patch of timber and ideally in each one of these the bottom of these drainages is some water so I was with a client on this spot we call the rock and we glass down and right in this this area where we always see some elk and It was cool. There was two bulls in there. There was a big six by and then a small, small bull. It looked like he was probably a, a four or five, but one of his beams broke off. And so he just had one side and we watched them and they were, they weren't like fighting, but they were playing, you know, there was, the rut was over. They didn't have any cows with them, but they were kind of squaring off. The big guy was kind of passing him around and then they were running around and this big six by had his head like he was holding it up in the air and back like he was showing off his rack to the world and we watched them go into the timber and bed down and um you know I wasn't super confident with my clientele at that time two of my guys were were older they're in their 60s and so I knew they weren't able to actually physically get in there but my other client Justin he's about my age he's from uh, Wisconsin. And I told him about it and let him know. I was like, it's not going to be an easy feat. Like it's going to be, we're going to have to get in there early. We're going to hike in. It's, it's steep. He's like, let's do it, Drea. I'm like, all right. He's like, I wasn't planning on this kind of hunt, but there's a big bowl in there. Let's go after it. So, um, basically parked the truck down way down the, the main road and walked down a good half mile and, Sure enough, right where we got to that same spot I seen the bull the day before, they were feeding on the face there. And so we watched them and let them go up and over the ridge so they wouldn't see us. And we hiked up the drainage and then up through the the thick timber to sort of cut them off and hopefully get a shot. And it was just, it was so cool. It was one of those hunts that I've guided that I'll remember every single detail, like, It's crazy how sometimes your timing is absolutely perfect. There was three of us, so one of the other guides, who's new to Bear Creek, he wanted to tag along so he could learn, and so it was us three just trying to be as quiet as possible, working through this timber. We didn't know if those elk were going to be coming into that certain part of the timber to bed, so just very slow going, keeping our eyes up, like being really quiet, stopping, and then... I had to make a decision at one point. So the top of the ridge, the timber turned into scrub oak. And then there was also a couple fields of uh, sage. And that's where I had seen them the morning before. And I remember sitting there being like, all right, do I go to the right? Are these elk going to pass through on the right? And then there was a a patch of scrub oak right in the middle. Or do I go over to the left? You know, like which window are we going to pick? And my gut just told me to go to the clearing on the left. And as soon as we got to where we could shoot and see, I could hear them walking. I couldn't see them, but I could hear them walking. And so I told my client, Justin, as I get ready, you know, they're going to pop out. We're going to have a very quick window to to kill these elk. And sure enough, they came out on the skyline in front of us at about 180 yards. And he, they could sense we were there. So they he was when he stopped first, he was broadside but there was probably 20 yards of scrub oak in front of his vital so we didn't have a shot and this bull started working the ridge up and went behind a couple big boulders and i pulled out my cow call and i just did like a couple of cow calls and that pulled him out from behind those rocks and he exposed himself up on the ridge he was standing he was a frontal so he was looking down at us I told Justin, I said, if you feel confident in the shot, you can take it. Normally on public land or certain areas, I wouldn't encourage a skyline shot like that. But I knew that there wasn't any other hunters in this area. And I knew back behind where this elk was, you know, we were. it was a fine. Like we didn't have to worry about that shot going anywhere, hitting anyone. And I felt confident in the shot. And so he took it and I saw the bull instantly, you know, the impact was there. And so we gave it probably a half hour, 40 minutes made our way up the Hill, which took another half hour. So it was about an hour later, we got up to where this bowl was and we saw great blood right away. So we were super confident. We just started following this blood trail and really good blood. And he went right into the timber as I expected. And we ended up bumping him. We didn't wait long enough. And so he ran so we sat for another hour and we, you know, we just hung out and we all felt really good because the blood was frothy. It was bubbly. It was lung blood. And there was a lot of it. Like it was very easy to see. You would look 40 yards up and see a giant pile of blood. And so we gave it another hour and started following him and he, uh, he never bedded down again. And so then we stopped and we waited another hour. And at this point we were in the thick of it and we were like, we we've got to just kind of give him some time. We can't really back out. We don't want to bump him now. We were in the middle of this timber patch. So we kept following him and he ended up going about a mile and a half. And we found him again. He went all the way across this South facing slope. He side-hilled. He used this old trail and the scrub oak and we, crested this ridge and we looked across and I saw him bedded in the pine um, 200 yards away he was bedded there and you could tell he was hurt and he was laying there and he would put his head down like he was going to fall asleep and then he would look back up so we were timing it that when he laid his head down for Justin to get in position to try and make another shot it was a little bit windy and so we were just trying to find that right window where the wind calmed down And, um, in the process of just trying to get another shot, he saw us moving and he got up and ran and, um, we were pretty devastated. That one hit me really hard. I was just like, I was feeling pretty silly. I was like, I I should be doing better than this. Like I'm a professional guide. Like I should have, we should have just backed out earlier We should have I should have done better at, you know, coaching him through this on when to move and when to not and just beating myself up about it. I was just completely sick feeling, knowing that this bull was wounded and he was still running. And so we decided to back out of there. We went back to camp and it was about noon and we decided to give him the rest of the day and we would go back after him in the morning. We, you know, came to a conclusion between all the other guides and the owner and talking to some of the clientele, we knew he was going to die. He had been throwing up and the blood trail was very consistent. We just knew it was going to take a while for him to die. So we waited. And then the next morning we got into where we had seen him last, where he was bedded and we followed his blood trail for like another mile. And ultimately what killed him was he got on this old logging road and it was pretty steep and he was using the road to try and get away. And that road is what killed him. Like, we knew we were going to find him dead. There was just giant piles of blood that he was coughing up and he died right there on the road and beautiful six by six. But it was just one of those, one of those hunts where, in the very beginning. We should have just given him time. And then, you know, Justin and I were joking about it. We're like, well, if we just gave him time, we would have had the worst pack out, (laughs) but he died right on the road. We were able to, to gut him. And we brought the four-wheeler up there. And the only thing we left behind was a pile of guts and his little bit of his cake. Wow. Um, and we were able to get him, get him back. The meat was still fine. He was still warm. So we, we figured he must've died early morning. Um, which was good because I was nervous about that, you know, cause it was noon the day before that we had left him and um he was still warm so the meat was good and he was a little smelly it turned out he ended up gut shotting him so he shot low he didn't factor in shooting high you know because it was at an angle up the ridge and so he hit him right in the right in the stomach so Hmm. no no meat was ruined and uh you know it was just just one of those things where you know should we have given him more time did we you know like i was nervous that we were going to push him and never find him but it was a deathly enough shot that, you know, he ended up, he ended up dying. And sometimes when you do give him that push, when you don't mean to, that's ultimately what kills them. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they bleed out versus he would have died laying there where he was bedded. Um, but it was very, very, uh, it was a big, big relief when we found him on that road and he was dead and the meat was so good and we were able to retrieve all of him. So, super memorable hunt for, for me as a guide, learned a lot. And you know, the patience was tested. That was a a two mile tracking job and just had to tell myself a lot of times, just keep your head down, be focused, like think positive. Like you're going to find this bull. You just have to be patient and persistent. And we were, and we ended up finding him two miles from where we originally shot him.
1: Like it's really hard at that distance of when they've traveled that far to
2: to to find exactly. Um, but luckily there was a highway and a river down below us. So I knew he wasn't going to go down past that and we would be fine. It was just a matter of, like I said, being patient and persistent in that blood trail. Blood trail was never stopped. I was blown away, just blown away. You know, like these elk are so strong and we can forget that sometimes that when their adrenaline's going through them, how far they'll go. And he never stopped bleeding. There was a constant blood trail, which was, which was good. Wow. So, so yeah, a good third rifle. Um, and then fourth season came along and we got in on some more elk, got a couple cows, a calf. And then I helped my, my friend, Mike, who's one of the guides up there. We spotted some elk down in that same drainage that Justin had shot his bull. And so we put together a push where we set up. Um, a couple of our clients up high and we did a big push from down below and ended up pushing a bull right to one of his, one of Mike's clients. So that was great. It was really cool to be able to work as a team and get in there. I don't normally do pushes, but for this area, the country, it's kind of the only way of doing it. Like we know where the Elks, uh, their exit routes are. And so we set people up on those and we were able to push a little four by four bowl right to one of Mike's clients. So that was that was cool. So successful third and fourth year it felt good to be out there guiding again and knowing the country so well and to be able to go to a certain spot knowing there was most likely going to be elk there and then putting a plan together and being able to execute it and met a lot of great people, spent Thanksgiving with, you know, fifteen men up in the mountains and <laughs> We all had a great time having Thanksgiving dinner. We actually, one of the clients shot an elk on Thanksgiving. So that's what I was doing was gutting elk and hanging them up and getting the cape off. And, um, yeah, it was a good, good season.
1: Well, awesome. good, way to
2: end, good way to end the hunting season after not being able to notch a tag for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I well, was like, huh, yeah, maybe I'm a better guide than a hunter. <laughs> maybe, uh, no. maybe this works better. I think I want it too much when I'm, when I'm hunting that I, Maybe make bad decisions versus when I'm doing it for someone else. It's a little bit different of a head game for me.
1: Well, your season's not done. You're headed to Arizona in a couple days.
2: That's right. We're heading out in the morning to go hunt in Arizona for a week. So I'm really excited for that. Ryan's got us set on some really good spots. Ryan's going to hunt with us for a couple days, too, which will be fun. So.
1: Nice. Yeah, I've got some prep work to do. I've been shooting. my mm-hmm. um, shoot shooting's not as good as it was this in the summer. I can tell you that. I did some missing over the Thanksgiving time. And then around that twentieth, yeah. I don't know what the deal was. And it's yeah. just I don't have a clue. So um getting some shooting because that's a hard thing to do sometimes, just keep shooting during the season. And yeah, in the right? summertime you got all that daylight. Daylight and mornings are warm. It's easy to go out and shoot and now it's Good weather. woke up at 18 degrees this morning and it's not light till seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just not the easiest thing to, to do before work or after work. But, um, one, uh, little boy is waking up early from his nap. So I want to wrap up here. You've got a couple of things in the, in the works. I uh, always want to give a, a, uh, little plug for Ridge Patrol. What do you guys got going on? And, and, uh, how was that first fall?
2: Yeah, Rich Patrol, we're doing good. Um, full transparency with everyone. Just We really appreciate the support going in. One of the things that we were super proud of is being USA made, uh, but just coming to the realization that as a company starting out, it's going to be nearly impossible to make any money and to be successful at that. So we are switching gears. Unfortunately, we are moving on over to uh, overseas to be manufactured so we are essentially starting over we have to um find a new manufacturer which we have and that's in the works and so it's just gonna we're just stalling out for a little bit there's there's no quitting us we're we're still focused we we aim to be the best woman's clothing line out there but we just have a few setbacks um which you know, we just have to trust the process and that
1: and well, I'm, it's not going to stop us. It's I'm, a nice business, slow things. I'm a business expert because I've been watching some Shark Tank while I've been sick. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, they, <laughs> and they, one of the, I don't know, Mark Cuban or one of them guys is saying that they, uh, you got to do what's best for the business and yeah. sometimes, and there was one guy that was very hard headed it's like, if I'm being going to be American made, that's all I'm going to be. Um, mm-hmm. but there was no bottom line in that. And, yeah. and so eventually you can work towards that to what you got to yes. make the business work. And then, and then you can come back to, to make that, that happen. Cause, and I don't think there's any shame in that whatsoever. We all would love to have American made mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah. if that's a matter of running and working or not, then mm-hmm. there's yeah. no shame in that.
2: Yeah. So a couple set setbacks, but you know, nothing that's stopping us. It's just, you know, things will, be a little bit different now. So we're, we're still moving forward. And I've got my, my head on some really cool pieces of clothing that once we do find a manufacturer overseas, we'll be able to start um, focusing on a new clothing line. So as of right now, our clothing line that we do have is a, a spring fall Clothing line and it's amazing. Like I've worn it in all of these hunts and it's performed very well. But I'm really excited to to get some uh, rainproof bibs out there and um, some colder weather gear, so some down and stuff like that, to be able to get people out there and comfortable for those late season hunts.
1: Oh, cool. And yeah. then this month you've been working hard on your book. What's yeah, What's that so, all about?
2: Yeah, super exciting. I've been uh, hiding away in the mountains, actually up at Bear Creek, just been living in the cabin up there and focusing on writing my book. So, a little bit about my book without giving too much away. It's going to be an inspirational memoir about my life and um, some of the hardships I had as a child, but also the really great upbringing I had, you know, growing up on 10 acres of land in a family that hunts and fishes and, um, you know, so that whole lifestyle and then some hardships along the way and then being able to find spirituality and healing um, as a hunter, as a young girl in the forest, and then applying that to being um, a hunting guide and now, you know, finding my place in the hunting industry and uh, sort of my connection my connection with the wild and being able to, to share that with other people. So writing's coming along good. I'm about three-fourths of the way done with the book. I talk a lot about my experience as a whitewater guide there as well and my connection with the river. So stay tuned. Um, I will be posting about it on my Instagram page, What's Your Wild, to keep you guys um, posted on that. But hopefully uh, by the end of the month here, I will be done writing and then I'll be moving on to, to getting it published.
1: Wow. And yeah. while you're here, you had shared a few snippets with me of, of just some of your story and and. There, there's some, there's some more selling points there in the future uh, that I'm sure mm-hmm. are uh, are going to be uh, difficult to read, but mm-hmm. could be valuable for a lot of folks. And and that story, you, know, you, just, you, you have quite yeah. a story. You have quite a story that that uh, it's hard to fathom the mm-hmm. the the whole whole thing. So um, I think that y- your purpose behind it is is. Uh, a, a great one, uh, to, to help and share. And, and, uh, I think that's going to be valuable, really, a really good thing for, for those people that need to hear it or read it. So,
2: yeah, my, uh, what I've said from the get go is I'm not trying to make money off of this book. You know, most authors don't get rich off their books. If I can just change one life and bring some awareness, um, into this world, some positivity, then, my uh, my goal will be reached so hopefully i can inspire others along the way and bring some awareness to some things that are happening in this world that need talking about so
0: i'm uh, i'm really
2: excited to share my story and stay post or stay tuned guys because i'll be posting about that as i go along and it's been uh, quite a liberating experience and a freeing very freeing experience and to be able to sit down with no distractions up in the mountain you know there's there's internet but it's not great internet and to be able to just sit with my life and what I've learned and to be able to process it and put it down on paper feels really good so
1: well good for you I'm, I'm excited to hear hear the progress and what comes of that and and uh the, the good things there so um I'm excited for you I'm really excited for you that'll be a good thank deal you, thank you so, well, I'll let you go and I'm going to go check on the little booger and, and get, uh, get back to my, my Thursday and let you get off to keep packing and doing what you got to do to get ready for your hunt. So, uh, awesome. good luck. And I can't wait to hear how it goes. Now I'm a little, even more invested this time around. Cause I'm going too. Cause <laughs> you're going. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'll give you the lowdown. Yeah, I'll send you send you the waypoints where all the big bucks are.
1: I wanna. I, I've got some. I, I really just want to learn the the process. Mm-hmm. And I've told so many people that I've got s- such low expectations going into it, not because of uh, anything Ryan said or anything. It's 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 just that I just want to go in with low expectations because I just want to have a good time. That's all it is. I just want to have a good yeah. time. And if uh, a buck comes home with me, then great. Whatever. It's that's. That's just icing on the cake. And and you and I talked about this with what Jim Shockey told me, I think about that same thing. And I've got that mindset going into this one that I'm just Mm going to enjoy the time and not let the pressure of driving 20 hours and the amount Mm -hmm. of fuel and money going into the trip, determine Mm -hmm. any of the outcomes. I'm just going to let it be another week long hunting trip and it's going to be fun. So, um, and I know, uh, you're cool doing the same, just having that same kind of let's go learn, have a good time and, and hunt some deer.
2: Yep, exactly. Well, thanks for having me on Clint. Give the little booger a hug for me. Alrighty. uh, Happy holidays to you and the family.
1: Yep. You as well. All right. We'll see
0: you. Talk soon.